welcome. Um, we are the largest tokenomics-focused community on the web. Um, we mostly hang out here on Twitter and on Discord. We have a Substack with, I don't know, 1,200 subscribers. We publish usually twice a month these tokenomics 101 articles that are really kind of deep dives into different protocols. Um, that is the... I guess the engine that drives us, that's the first thing that we started doing and the whole community kind of formed around that. And so now we have uh, awesome contributors like Ariel, who's going to talk to you here in a second, um, who do these analysis, uh, write these articles, which is quite a bit of work. Um, usually takes at least like 20 to 40 hours to do that. And um, all of this to help share tokenomics knowledge with the world. We started this about a year ago, pretty exactly a year ago, and the DAO has grown to like 2,400 people on Discord. Um, we have like 20 or 30 contributors, maybe 10 that are really active. Um, we do tokenomics consulting, and um, but the most interesting thing I think that, that we do is we try to create tools and products um, to help everybody understand tokenomics better and to build your tokenomics or analyze your token or tokenomics of projects if you're not a builder but if you're an investor and so for that we've created the tokenomics design framework you can find all these things in on the link tree in our profile um, and the tokenomics hub most recently tokenomics hub is like our biggest project we're trying to kind of build a SaaS uh, platform for everybody to collaborate on tokenomics um, so yeah go check that out for sure it's still small but that means there is probably alpha in being early to the platform. And uh, if you're a builder and you want to get your protocol listed, um, let us know because we're trying to grow it. We're trying to get to 100 protocols as fast as we can. And yeah, awesome. All right, Ariel. So now the stage is yours. Enlighten us about the BAT token. Thanks for the intro, Lovis. So let's get started. This community call is about uh, the Brave browser and their token, which is the, the basic attention token. So going through the agenda, we're going to first talk about what is Brave, then what is BAT, their token, then uh, talk a little bit about their tokenomics. <clears throat> then I um, um, also want to talk about a little bit about the BAT liquidity, which is a bit of an issue uh, for, for this particular token. Then we go through value creation and value capture, and then we have some time for a Q&A at the end. Uh, so what is Brave? I think, you know, <clears throat> if I could summarize what Brave is about in one sentence, it's probably about privacy. Um, that's a, a big concern that, you know, the team had while they were building their protocol. And so their vision is really to uh, oppose and kind of also to, to change the, the paradigm of how uh, browsers and apps in general use uh, user data to, you know, sell you advertising and how that's, you know, uh, so it's an, invasive model and the model that is uh, kind of going into a, a crisis uh, right now, I guess we could say. So, you know, Brave browser, um, it is a, a web three browser. So it has a lot of native capabilities that 
help users to navigate through Web3 dApps, for example. Um, they offer a, a native wallet, which is the Brave wallet. They have uh, unstoppable domains integration, so you can easily go into uh, their uh, websites that are listed in, in those domains. And besides those Web3 focus capabilities, uh, it also has a lot of cool features. Like it has a native ad blocker, which is just great. You don't have to download anything. Uh, it has the, the Brave Talk, which is you know similar to Google Meet. Um, it has Brave Search also. So they are building a, quite a, an impressive product stack and you can do almost everything in their uh, in their browser and i don't know if you guys are seeing the the visuals but i also included a table that is listed in their their homepage which is a comparison between brave firefox safari and google chrome and it tells you a bit about you know uh the i think enhancements that brave has brought to the the brow to browsers in general so you know the ad uh, a lot of ad blocking, uh, as I mentioned. And they also say they have malware and phishing protection, which Google Chrome uh, also seems to have, and protection against bounce tracking. And they have an anonymized network routing, uh, which they call Tor mode. I haven't used that, but if you know how to, it seems like a, a pretty cool feature to navigate anonymously. So, you know, as I mentioned in the beginning, they have a really big concern about privacy. Um, I don't know if you want to uh, synthesize these uh, lobbies or I can go on to the next slide. Yeah, sure. So basically, um, Brave is, what is what is Brave? Is it a foundation? Is it a company? Do you know? It's a company. It's Brave Software Inc. Okay, Brave Software Inc. Actually, the founder is Brandon Aish, which founded uh, Mozilla or Firefox or something like that. That's right. That's right. Does Firefox. And then I think he went, they went separate ways. And so he launched Brave. And um, yeah, what's kind of neat. And so I've been using Brave for a long time and I didn't even quite realize that it has, um, that the BAT token, the basic attention token is so integrated in it. Um, but then what's cool is actually when you try to use, like um, switch from one computer to another, you actually use a wallet to do that. So basically all your user info that's kind of like password saved in your browser or something is actually attached to the wallet. So that's the first time when I noticed it. <clears throat> so that's a really cool way to kind of aggregate your, to make this product more useful, but keep everything super private. Um, so I think that's what it's all about basically, right? It's about privacy on the internet, but still have uh, amazing usability. So yeah, cool. Thank you. Go, go for it. Yeah. Awesome, thanks for the, the summary. Um, now going to the BAT token, uh, and BAT stands for Basic Attention Token, and their, <clears throat> its main use is to reward user attention. So that uh, when I was talking about you know a new paradigm for uh, advertisement and user attention, that's really centered around the BAT token. Um, to Earn bet, what you need to do is that you enable uh, ads in your Brave browser, and those aren't, you know, the usual ads that you'd see, but those are Brave's private ads, 
which is slightly different. Uh, first, you know, you see them in specific places like the new tab page or a pop-up uh, can come in from time to time. And also if you use Brave News, then you're gonna see some ads there. Uh, but the way that they deliver ads is different because um, all your data is stored locally in your browser and they don't have, they don't really have access to that data. They use, you know, their machine learning model to kind of figure out uh, which um, ads to, to show you uh, at a given time, but they are not actually collecting your data. So that's a huge difference from just everything else that uh, you see in the advertisement industry, especially in Web2. And on top of that, uh, the, the ads are up, like you are opted out uh, as a, a standard whenever you, you install the, the Brave browser. So you have to make the choice to opt in. And that may seem like you know, a small thing, but it has some interesting results. Um, and I think first, you know, from a kind of uh, psychological perspective, I think there's a lot of research uh, that shows how it is kind of harder for uh, people to you know, opt into something. Like if you want everyone to opt in, then uh, you should leave an option to opt out because much lesser people will opt out versus just you know, doing whatever the standard is. And in terms of advertising, uh, I included some Google Ads benchmark, which I got from this, uh, this source in the internet, which stated that you know, their average click-through rate, meaning like from all the ads that were seen, how many people actually clicked on them. So Google Ads has an average CTR of uh, 3%, around 3% for the, whenever you're searching and you see those, you know, advert sponsor results. And for display, it's much lesser than that. It's actually half a percent. Um, I'm not entirely sure what's the, the display ads on Google right now, but either way, it's, you know, a pretty low uh, CTR. And in comparison for Brave, um, they say that they have an average of, oh, I, this, sorry, the number is not in this table, but I guess it was something like 9% on the, the search results. So, you know, it's much higher than the, the Web2 industry standards. And they also bring some interesting data, like uh, an average lift in, in brand promotion or awareness of 64%. Um, 16% of people remembering, uh, seeing the, the ad somewhere, um, 50% recalling seeing the Brave ad. And, you know, you can just, I think the, the data speaks for itself. Uh, but I guess, you know, just uh, the reason that I, I brought this data here is just, I think it reinforces the, the importance of giving users an option and how that can yield some interesting results. So, you know, basically just by requiring you to opt in to see ads, then the people that are seeing the ads are much more interested. I think, you know, one hypothesis that I have about that is, you know, the ads are pretty much centered around Web3. And I think anyone that uses Brave are also Web3 users. So maybe that's one of the reasons that 
uh, why uh, these results are up. But I think, you know, the fact that they uh, require you to opt in and that they are also rewarding you for watching those ads with the bad token, I think are also uh, strong factors to consider when analyzing the, the overall effectiveness of Brave ads. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, if you, I don't know if you guys have ever tried to uh, buy traffic with ads and it's it's kind of it's very difficult right everybody's like oh it's so easy you just turn it on and then there's your traffic it's like yeah it's true it brings you traffic but you don't know how relevant the traffic is to you necessarily and of course um the big tech companies try to solve that by giving you super granular targeting options um which basically you know which just shows you how well they know you so like on facebook or Google, you can segment the audience pretty well. But I think the users are just so inundated with ads that they end up um, yeah, just kind of becoming like insensitive to it in a way. So I think that this is a definitely a better model. And ideally, I mean, I think your hypothesis is a good idea. This might be true, yeah, with the Web3 community. But I do know quite a few people that use Brave that that aren't in web three. And I think that just by, yeah, I think what you said, like psychologically, if you opt into the ads, that makes a difference. And then just purely that you see a lot fewer of them, I think is, is a uh, already helpful, right? Because then it, it feels more like signal and less like noise um, in that experience. But yeah, very, very interesting. Yeah. I, I totally agree with, <clears throat> with this point you made. I think, you know, the ads seem more relevant at least. Um, but yeah, moving on, I'm going to <clears throat> provide some more color to BATS tokenomics. So, uh, I'm going to start in the upper left corner of the diagram on the user. So, uh, as I had mentioned, you know, the users opt in on ads that happens on the Brave browser, and then you're, you're just going to see Brave ads and the, the program that the distributes the rewards is called Brave Rewards. So, you know, users will, will get their bet whenever they are watching ads. Um, I'm going to explain a little bit more how you can kind of forecast whether you're going to receive more or less depending on, on the month. It obviously depends on your usage, but depends on some other factors as well. Um, another cool feature that Brave has is that it allows publishers and creators to get verified uh, in their, their browser. And what it means to be verified is that you can receive donations from users. So like I'm earning bad in my browser, I can use a part of that to uh, donate to a pu publisher or creator that I like. And those publishers and creators can be like um, YouTube streamers or uh, I think Twitch streamers. And there's a lot of different things. And publishers can be any website that you use. If they uh, verify their account on Brave, then they are allowed to, to receive these donations. And so uh, part of uh, the protocol's revenue comes from a, a 5% fee that they are charging over these donations. Um, and then... Uh, the other, I think, uh, agent that is involved in the, the Brave ecosystem is the advertiser. So I think 
uh, one of the gaps that I see in the Brave cur- in Brave currently is that advertisers can buy uh, ad space from Brave uh, from those kind of kinds of ads that I was showing you, but they can't buy directly from a publisher, which is how the regular advertising business works. So that, you know, limits a bit more, I think, the how, how ads can be displayed or, or purchased, but, you know, it's working to at least to some extent. And so advertisers can purchase their ad space using either bet or um, US dollars. And what is interesting is that, you know, once this uh, revenue goes into the treasury, Brave will use 70% of the advertisement revenue to buy back bet in centralized exchanges. So it's kind of, I guess you could say it's kind of a growth loop because uh, the more they grow their advertisement business, uh, the more revenue they will get, obviously, and then the more uh, buybacks will happen on bet. And this 70% bet is redistributed to to all the users. So, and that's really interesting because if you go to their, uh, they have, I think, something brave slash growth or something of the kind where you can actually see how much revenue they are getting each month. And that really correlates to the amount of, of rewards that you're getting. Like this month, for example, I noticed that rewards really went up. And if you look into the January figures, their revenue is also going up. So, you know, it's, I think it's a a nice way to uh, distribute part of the revenue to users. And the remainder 30%, they are actually using for protocol infrastructure and development, which I think, you know, is just healthy because they had have to get their funds from from somewhere, um, and so I think uh, another point to note, and that that is this is where you no know, bet is also a bit limited. To be able to withdraw uh, the bet you're earning in the browser, you need to use a centralized exchange, uh, and so they. They currently have agreements with Gemini and Uphold. So you would need to have an account on either of those exchanges to be able to withdraw. For example, I'm in Brazil. I'm not able to withdraw. Uh, I can only use Batch uh, in the the Brave ecosystem. Um, But if you're able to withdraw, then you can do some other stuff, which uh, I think are interesting utilities for the the Batch token. So for example, you could exchange it for gift cards in this step network, uh, or if you get them in your wallet, uh, which you need to, you know, go through Gemini first. So you you can't just uh, withdraw to to Brave right away to the Brave wallet. I mean, uh, then you can use it, you know, like you 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 would use tokens in in other uh, Web three dApps. So you can make, you know, that purchases like games or NFTs. You can make DeFi swaps or just earn interest. So, you know, I think those are some of the cooler utilities that Bet has to offer. And on top of that, uh, with the Brave Wallet, the team has been really focused on uh, developing a, a partner network. So they had some interesting examples of partnerships. Like I think they had one with, 
uh, Splinterlands, where to enter a given tournament, you would need uh, some bet. And then, you know, you could also earn prizes in bet, if I'm not mistaken. And I think they also they also had some partnerships with, uh, I think, the Nouns DAO, uh, but that was more uh, geared towards advertisement. But anyway, they are really uh striving to you know build this partner network to add more utility to to the bad token but that's outside of the brave ecosystem at least the way i see it and that is also dependent on centralized exchange exchanges like gemini and uphold so their growth is kind of limited at least in terms of utility on you know the countries which those exchanges um, uh, support. So yeah, I think you know, the, that is the, what I wanted to, to call out from BATS tokenomics. Yeah, and if you guys, um, I hope you guys followed along this diagram. So I tweeted it out uh, while Ariel was talking. And if you want to find a zoomable version of it, then I also posted the link to that. So it's on the tokenomicsdao.xyz website, and then you can go to the 101 articles and you can find the BAT article. And in there embedded is that uh, zoomable diagram, so it's a little bit easier to read. Um, but yeah, uh, really good summary. And um, also think it's good that you're calling out kind of the weak points, right? Because, I mean, we're doing this analysis generally from a neutral perspective, and we're just trying to find, um, you know, the good things and the bad things. And we're also trying to think of ways to improve it potentially. Um, is that something that you're going to cover, uh, Ariel? Kind of some suggestions um, for improvement? Yeah, yeah, I'll go through that in the value creation and value capture part. I just wanted okay, to call perfect. out, you know, since I was already talking about the tokenomics. Yeah, yeah, perfect. No, okay, good. Awesome. Well, keep going. All right. So now about distribution and liquidity, I think that's kind of a sensitive topic, I don't know, maybe a, a hot topic for, for the bad token, at least for me, uh, the way I see it. So, um, you know, first, the token was launched in 2017. They had an ICO, uh, which was, you know, quite trendy at the time. And out of, uh, they have a max supply of 1.5 billion bad tokens, and they put 1 billion bad for sale. Uh, which is, I think, quite a lot, at least for, uh, you know, more based on what I, I see on more recent protocols that have launched tokens. And the remainder, um, half a billion, was split across uh, the Brave team, uh, which, you know, just to uh, pay for the expenses and continue developing the protocol. And 300 million was put to the user growth pool, which was, uh, which is actually the pool that distributes rewards to users. So uh, they included this 300 million to start with. Uh, and then uh, they had some kind of like airdrops and, you know, they were kind of testing out their model. Uh, but now that, you know, the protocol has been running for some time, the user growth pool gets filled uh, with their advertising revenue, as I, I mentioned in the previous slide. Uh, and what I think is really concerning about that is how much the liquidity is concentrated. 
so if uh, the graph I included here is for external accounts, which is the same as you know individual wallets. And uh, so what this graph is telling us is that you know the top one percent of accounts on Brave hold more than ninety percent of the total bet supply that is sitting on uh, wallets, just individual wallets. If we take into account the full 1.5 billion bet supply, then the top 1% uh, external accounts hold, I get 66% or, you know, something close to that. So that is quite a lot. You know, if I don't know who those guys are, I don't know if the team does, maybe they do, but you know, if some of them decide to sell bet, uh, that would uh, mean significant selling pressure. For the token and it could just collapse the whole system at least in my view i don't know it's quite a significant amount of liquidity for some few people uh to to be holding i think the top one percent must be like i think short of three thousand accounts i think they have three hundred thousand wallets or something like that uh in total so you know it's not a, a lot of people, and I guess if if we took like the 0.1%, then we would also see some very big liquidity concentration. So I think that's, that's something to be really aware of uh, about the bad token. And the remainder of the, the liquidity, like 66% uh, or I guess 70-something percent uh, is sitting on individual wallets and the remainder, which is close to 30%, is sitting on exchanges and is mostly concentrated on centralized exchanges. So I, I don't know if there's some risk on that or not. I uh, hope not, certainly. Um, but I remember the only decentralized exchange where they had uh, some meaningful um, representation was, I guess, Compound. I'm not sure. I may be maybe confusing it, but there was just this one uh, where I think, you know, because of their partner network, they have placed some liquidity, but they haven't really taken this uh, step of providing liquidity to decentralized exchanges. So I think that's another important point to call out. So just um, asking, so basically on this slide with the distribution and liquidity, in the bottom left, the the graph from Dune Analytics, that's the one that shows uh, how, like how much liquidity is hold, held by the top 1%, right? Yeah, exactly. So percentage of, so how, how do I read? Oh, percentage of accounts. Okay, all the way on the right is one. So that means 1% and then uh, percentage of supply. That looks like it's almost, what, like 90 plus percent? Yeah, I think it's is. 92 92. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> it looks like an empty chart. <laughs> at oh, first, yeah. <laughs> you have to, to kind of, you have to understand how to read it. Okay. So 1% of accounts has 92% of all the uh, tokens. Yeah. That's not ideal, right? Um, the, yeah, I mean, you said it's like 3000 wallets in the top 1%. I mean, that's still a significant amount of wallets, but um, yeah, who knows? I mean, it would be good to know if there's like, uh, unlocks or lockups still in place on some of these, or if it's, um, you know, if there's another reason 
or you know, if there's another reason why these uh, wallets can't move them or sell them, that would probably be important to know. Yeah, I think there are no more lockups because you know it's been a while since they launched, and I don't yeah. recall whether they they place any lockups. To be honest. Okay. But um, is there a history of uh, founders or you know like early wallets to move or? dump a bunch of token or not really? That's a good question. I actually don't know the answer. Yeah, because like, I mean, you know, it's diff completely different story, but like the Ethereum Foundation is known to pretty much call the top every time. So they, <laughs> whenever they start selling a chunk of ETH, you know that you should probably, you know, close your long position or whatever if you're <laughs> a trader. So they time it pretty well. Or maybe they're the reason why it tops out. Nobody knows. But so I don't know if there's if there's a similar history here. But yeah, good good to call it out for sure. Great. So uh, now going through the value creation and value capture. First, value creation on the left. I think you know their product stack is just awesome. Uh, they have built a really robust uh, set of products, and you can do almost anything that you can do on Google Chrome, for example, on Brave and with their own uh, products, with, which are all, always uh, trying to preserve your privacy or give you more choice in a way, uh, which I at least really, um, really like this, this vision. Um, they are also trying to build a new economic model for user attention. Uh, I think we can't understate the the challenge and also the ambition of doing that because you know you go from uh all your data being captured and used against your view or like you have almost zero control uh to you being in control and being rewarded for uh choosing to to see ads so i guess that's pretty amazing i really like that that way of uh thinking uh and just Added some some interesting data here. They were able to to get to 55 million uh, monthly active users in the the four years since the protocol was created, and they also have 20 million uh, daily active users. So they're probably the most used uh, Web3 protocol um, there is. They they have two million verified creators. I get, I think the top. Um, kind of channels where these creators come from are YouTube and probably Twitch. I'm not sure about Twitch, but YouTube, I'm certain. Uh, and they also have the wallet partner program, which is adding a lot of cool utility for, for bet holders. Um, and it's mostly centered around the Solana ecosystem. I think there's some, there are some Ethereum partnerships as well, but I, I know from reading their blog that they, they have been more focused on, on building Solana. Um, and now for the, the value capture, they have the transaction fee on donations, which is 5%. Their advertising revenue is, you know, their the biggest source of revenue. They also charge some, some fees on Brave Wallet swaps. Uh, so if you're using their wallet uh, for for this kind of operation, then uh, the fees are also going to, to the treasury. 
uh, and they are buying uh, 70% of their ad revenue. Uh, they're buying back, bet back. Uh, and so I think, you know, one takeaway from the, the value capture side is that it seems to me that the biggest demand driver for bet and bet price is Brave's own buybacks, which are correlated to their advertising revenue. So, you know, it, it can be good, uh, but it can be bad because if their advertising business starts going sour, then that means, you know, there's going to be less demand for bet and less reward for users. So that could lead to a downwards spiral. It hasn't happened so far, uh, but I think it's a risk, especially when we uh, we look at their the liquidity distribution, which is quite which is highly concentrated on a few hands, uh, and you know mostly individual wallets, which could dump the token at any time, as far as I know. Uh, and so I think you know my main takeaway when after analyzing that was that you know these guys really need to add more utility to their token and improve the, the holdability overall uh, if they want to just let, be less vulner vulnerable to market sentiment because uh, we all know that market sentiment can shift dramatically uh, in, a, in a very quick way. Uh, and so I think, you know, I really like everything that they're doing but I feel that their token is quite vulnerable to, to shifting sentiment because of the way it was designed, which in my view, doesn't, it doesn't have a lot of utility. They're trying to add that, but you know, it's kind of separate and they have this big uh, dependence on centralized exchanges, which I think is really bad, especially now with everything that's been happening since in the, the last few months. Like uh, I, I think it's, a bit hard to to think that you know these exchanges will expand rapidly uh, to to other uh, nations at least. Um, and but yeah, I think you know cool products, not so so good token. Um, that's why they even have a sort of weak token strength rating in our tokenomics hub because there's not a, a lot of reason to to hold unless you're trying to you know uh time their advertising revenue because you know the token is gonna go can go a bit uh more up whenever they are earning more but even so that's not a reason to hold you would probably be trading that uh, that metric not holding the token waiting for something to happen So what would you do to fix it? <laughs> uh, I think for me, you know, the biggest piece that is missing is to connect the advertise advertisers to publishers. Like I think if they really set up real advertising marketplace where publishers could, you know, list their ad space and advertisers could buy that and then, you know, require that purchase uh, being made in bed, or maybe, I don't know, requiring that publishers or advertisers stake some bet to be able to use the marketplace. 
I think something of that kind could be a step towards improving uh, token holdability. But I don't know if that would solve. I think liquidity is still the, the biggest issue here. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, that's a good idea. Um, yeah, what else? I mean, if you would token gate the browser, then that kind of defeats the point, right? Because the problem is with any ad-based uh, business model, you always, you do need eyeballs, right? Even if the eyeballs are private, um, you need to get as many active users as possible. So you wouldn't want to lock them out in any way. Um, yeah. Yeah, okay. Cool. Um, are there any questions? Any any of you guys have a question for Ariel about Brave Browser or anything tokenomics specific in general? Uh, feel free to request to speak. I'm more than happy to answer any questions you might have. Yeah, Brave product. I mean, it's it it's it's difficult, right? So like this this idea that we have in Web three that we want to have people own their own data and not be exploited. Uh, kind of like, you know, what two companies like to do for profit. It's difficult to break that model, right? Because it's, uh, it, in, a, in a way, it, it's much easier to do the exploiting than it is to do the uh, maintain privacy and reward people. But at the same, at the same time, the, I think as an advertiser, you want a captive, you know, captured audience in a way. And I guess Google, like what, Google Chrome is used by more than a billion people, probably, or probably more, maybe two billion, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, it's hard, hard to compete. Yeah. Yeah, and if you think about it, the advertising model uh, has been built for decades, and this new paradigm is quite recent, so... Yeah. I think it it has a lot to to go through to really mature, and it's harder. Yeah. I think in essence it is harder, as you mentioned. Yeah, I'm wondering if there's something there where we kind of. So, I guess what's really the point of a creator becoming certified or you know verified by Brave? Like, what what benefits does that bring? Currently, uh, they are just able to receive donations from users. Okay. Yeah. See, I, w I wonder if there is a way that Brave Browser could almost be a distribution channel for uh, verified creators. And, you know, so like, I don't know if the artists maybe, do, you know, in these spaces where they're also showing ads, like when you open a new tab before you enter URL, maybe they could showcase content from creators and maybe that's a way they can gain traction. And if that works, then it could become something where, uh, you know, if that works to help creators make money, then it could also be something that Brave could essentially tax and have another revenue stream. Um, so similar, I guess, similar to the donations, but rather than like donations is fine, but like if it's if it's like an active revenue stream, it's a little bit more powerful, I think. Um, kind of like a, more like payment processing at that point, you know. So yeah, well. Uh, one more chance to request to speak and ask a question. Um, otherwise, Ariel, if you have any closing remarks, please feel free. Yeah, so if there are no further uh, questions, I guess, you know, just to, to wrap this up, I think 
I highly recommend using Brave as your browser. I'm personally trying to be more uh, concerned about my privacy and not share as much data uh, or at least share a, a bit less because you still be <clears throat> you know sharing data with the, the websites that you're using. So I think, you know, from a product perspective, I love Brave. Uh, and I also want to start using their other products a bit more. I think the Brave search, from what I read, has some interesting features that they've added in that, which I haven't seen in other uh, search engines, for example. I haven't used Brave Talk yet, but I'll definitely try that out someday. Um, but from a token perspective, I think the, the tokenomics is not so strong. So if you're thinking of investing in Brave, just, you know, obviously do your own research, uh, but also keep in mind that they have a highly concentrated liquidity and there are not a lot of reasons to, to hold the bad token currently. So in my view, uh, it is kind of vulnerable to shifts in market sentiment. And sorry, I think I said that three or four times already. So <laughs> I'll just stop there. I think that's my my summary and what I want everyone to take away from this presentation. Yeah, perfect. All right. Yeah, if you're interested in Brave or other tokens, let me say one more time, please feel free to visit the Tokenomics Hub. You can find it in our bio or you can just go to tokenomicshub.xyz there is about, what, 30-something protocols listed right now. And you can see kind of the, the quick breakdown of how we and tokenomics our community thinks that these you know tokens shake out, the tokenomics of these tokens shake out. Awesome. Yeah, thank you so much, Ariel. It's super insightful. I learned something. And um, we recorded this space, and we'll also send it out to our subscribers on Substack. Awesome. Thanks, Lovis. And thanks to all our listeners.